Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Hey, everybody. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. And I'm Brent Wingate. And we are doing a secret record. Normally on Homo Superior, we would focus on X-Men and the MCU. But, you know, we're consuming a lot of different media, and we want to talk about some other stuff. So our secret records is our way of talking about stuff we love that, you know, isn't explicitly part of those universes. This week, uh, we're going to be reviewing the first season of Sandman on Netflix. It's based off of the graphic novel uh, by Neil Gaiman, Sam Keith, Mike Dringenberg, and it focuses on Morpheus, the Lord of Dreams. Uh, He's got a very long fucking Daenerys Targaryen, uh, the Oneriomancer, the Lord Shaper, the Breaker of Chains, the Dream of the Inlet. It's a douchey fucking title. Well, if you had to be one of those names, who would you be? The Lord Shaper. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Wait. I, I, wait. I, feel I don't like, understand the nature of that question. I feel like Dream of the Endless would be would be me to a T-like comparison. Well, I do think that's a Kalen sentence. Um Anyways, <laughs> okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, he wrote it. Ga- yeah, Galen. Galen is an endless sentence. Yeah. Uh, all right. He basically is just like a gaunt goth that listens to the shins, and Galen would want to bang. <laughs> uh, Pretty much. Uh, I didn't uh, realize the shins were so goth. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I feel he like it's a, it's a hipster cure. vibe. Yeah. I don't. I don't know the Android look. Division. He's got like a flock of seagulls haircut. It's like very relevant. Nineteen ninety four. So this season is somewhat faithful to a fault in adapting the first two volumes of the series, Preludes and Nocturnes, and The Doll's House. So in the first half of the season, uh, spoilers, by the way, if you haven't watched the show or Watch the show, then listen. Or read uh, Sandman. So get with it. It's been out for how many decades? Uh, 30 years. Wow. How old are you? Over 30 years. Sorry. Anyways. Kalen was 15 slash 35 years old when he read this. Sure. Anyways, in the first half of the season, Morpheus gets captured by an occultist named Roderick Burgess. He frees himself, goes on a quest to get some MacGuffins. Uh, And then the second half of the season is focusing on a young woman who is a dream vortex named Rose Walker. She's going to destroy the dreaming and the real world because somehow she blends them both. Uh, and also there's a guy who's gay and looks like a great Christian Frost, the Corinthian. He's like a great Patrick Bateman-esque type character. Very much so. With teeth for eyes because teeth make everything scary. But we also get some other characters from the Sandman, um, including Dream Siblings, Desire, Despair, and the much-fan-beloved Death. Um, are we just going to say the word dream a lot? And nightmare. Dream and nightmare. The dreams. Dream the dreamy dreams. It's like Smurfs or something. It gets exhausting. I I, I smurfed a lot of guys this week. <laughs> they they did were not. Dreaming. Did you gargamel their balls? Yes. Were, were you I a, like that. Were Good you job. a nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Look. All right. The the this. It's a weird. It's a weird show. It's a weird series. I think that the only way to frame this is in how it works as an adaptation. Um, A lot of people very much beloved and found the original work influential. Um, No one has found Netflix to be the same, but 
how did you influential? Think, yeah. Well, so I read Sandman not quite as it was coming out, maybe towards the end. I sort of caught up um, because I was getting old enough to really kind of exp- like appreciate it, even if I didn't fully understand it. And it was one of those beloved like stories that like it's one of the early like DC like um like hits where they collected every volume and like made a killing selling it in the bookstores. Yeah. Uh and that didn't happen. This is like this is the 90s when this was going on. And it took forever for them to try to adapt it because at one point it was going to be a movie and like the movie was not going to be you know, it wasn't going to be like what Neil Gaiman wanted. Uh, if you think about like comic book adaptations, like, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s, it's very much like changing it to be much more action oriented. Whereas they the, would have made it all about the MacGuffins. It would have been Ruby's story through and through. Completely. And it would have gotten rid of some of the subtext and thoughtfulness and the themes that Gaiman wanted to do. This adaptation has gone the other extreme as far as I'm concerned uh, because Neil Gaiman um, is a producer, just as he was on Good Omens. He's joined by two other writers, uh, David Goyer, who worked with Christopher Nolan on the Batman movies that he did, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins, and Alan Heinberg, who we have talked about on podcasts uh, before. Young Avengers fan. Young Avengers, The O.C., uh, Sex and the City. Um, he's worked on t- he's worked in TV and comics, and so when Alan Heinberg was announced, I was like, "Oh, this could actually work." And some of it does, and some of it doesn't, because every episode follows one issue in the comic. Ironically, except for the sixth episode, uh, which I want to talk about a little bit later on, which is I think the best episode because it combines Jerry. two death. Yeah, the one about death, Sound of Her Wings, and uh, Men of Good Fortune, two like standalone like issues. Um, then combines them into one episode because there isn't enough content uh, in them. So it, it's just it's it was jarring seeing some of the scenes and dialogue that I read as a kid, and some of it worked and some of it didn't, and some and a lot of it was based on the caliber of the actors. Like when you have someone like Charles Dance playing Anthony Burgess, it's great. Yeah. But when you have um, uh, the actress playing Rose Walker, uh, uh, Kyo Ra. You know, um, I'm sure she's a lovely person, but like she just didn't have the acting <laughs> chops. I know it's a, what a what a shitty thing to say, but like she didn't have the acting chops to really help drive the narrative for you know being the vortex. I mean, Rose Walker is a very compelling character in the comics, and all of her scenes were just very flat. Wow, that is so different from my experience with her because I actually liked her a lot. I thought, oh, they've decided to move this from creepy, horrifying narrative to um like young adult style you know adventure yeah and i thought she actually did a great job i liked her as an actress i liked that the the other kid uh jed jed brother yeah they neither of them were so criminally stupid and they didn't say such dumb lines which are normally given to child actors i thought I, I'm rooting for her. I like her. Go for it. The dialogue was fine. I just think it was the acting that was flat. Yeah, I, I enjoyed I it. I wasn't sold on Tom Sturgis as... Morpheus? Morpheus. I don't like the voice at all. The voice is you a were talking about how You were talking about the comics, how gaunt Dream is. He didn't look fucking gaunt as shit. His hair was lame. It wasn't interestingly wild enough. It, it, it definitely had a the, the, the Legion hair look. 
in the comics of like being straight. Let me up. muss it a bit. Yeah, and then uh, that's, yeah. they tried to still make it like sultry and interesting. I, and it's like, man, I didn't realize that hair gel was so necessary in the dream world. Tom uh, Tom uh, Sturgeon, Tom Sturridge, Sturridge. Yeah. He um, Sturgeon's a fish. Uh, Sturridge. He worked for me because. Uh, so I thought I literally he worked for yeah, you for that's a while. Why he did. Yeah, he, he was an ARP yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, he was an employee of mine. No, he, he worked as Morpheus for me because Morpheus is the least interesting character in his own s- series, uh-huh. and Tom Tom was the least. In- Good one job, of the least him. Yeah, being so, not interesting at all. So yeah. On the one hand, so let's talk about the characters specifically. This in this case, I thought his weird whispery voice was well maintained throughout. I got it. Was it was just too deep. It I, was too deep for my interest. It, to me, it felt like, uh, oh, yeah, that's the kind of voice this person would have. But you immediately learn how unsufferable it is. Like, mm-hmm. if you had to eat cereal all the time as a meal, you'd think like, oh, this is kind of fun for a second. And then you'd be like, <laughs> but really? I have to do this forever? I have to listen to him whisper through every single character's identity? Well, that's my as issue. As if it's got gravitas. That's my issue with so many movies, TV, excuse me, TV shows nowadays, is that so many males have that gruff whisper voice because it the makes Christian them Bale more interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's constant. Like I, Westworld is interesting this fourth season, but the voice is just never ending. Just I can't stand it. So, as a character, do you think that there is a distinguishable arc for Morpheus throughout the show. Very much so. Um, and you start seeing that a little bit in this. It's 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 a little un- it's very unsubtle, but it, in some ways uh, Morpheus is serves as a archetype like sort of blueprint for characters like Don Draper and Tony Soprano, Walter White, uh, these people who are stuck in their ways and they, you know, they're incredibly arrogant. And they follow these rules, you know, even though they are amoral characters. And the whole concept is like, if they don't change, they die. Um, and so you you see those arcs in like those kind of prestige dramas from the two thousands and early twenty tens. And you know, Sandman sort of follows that without getting into spoilers for later seasons or later volumes. Uh, so that is really the arc. It's like you have somebody who constantly, you know, when you hear him say, "There are rules. We have to do this." You know, when he says that to people in the dreaming. When he says to desire his sibling, or to Galt. yeah, to Galt, it's like we have to follow this stuff. We we don't rule humans; humans rule us. Uh, I I think is a very like it's an interesting it's an interesting point of view, and I really hope, even though I felt the season was a mixed bag and it disappointed me in a lot of different ways, they get to continue it and finish it because it, feel, it it's an interesting story to tell. I feel like um, at the beginning of the series. If he had c- stayed at that level, he would have killed Rose at the end. Yeah. He he wouldn't have left her to be, you know, he's just the vortex. She yeah. is going to fuck everything up and then they fix it all, but beca- he could have fucked he could have killed her before that. But only, only because of the Deus Ex Machina of Unity Kincaid being I was the one who was meant to be the vortex. Mm. And it's like he was able to spare Rose and kill off exactly. somebody who'd been who'd been alive for nearly 100 years. To me, the rigidity is important, I guess, but it's really hard to get a sense of a character's journey if they're immediately imprisoned and then the only time you see them really be an asshole is in one episode where they're saying, hey, uh, hey, librarian, go back to doing library stuff. And by the end of the episode saying, you know what? I was wrong. 
No, there was another moment, and y- you blink and you miss it. It's the third episode where he goes to hell. Or yeah. Where, fourth episode where he goes to hell. And you see the woman, uh, um, I can't remember her name, but it starts with an N. She, yeah. And she calls him Kaikul, which yes. is another name for him. She goes, have you forgiven me? And do you still love me? And he goes, I still love you, but I haven't forgiven you. They're going to follow up on that in the second season. Yeah. Uh, but that is truly him being a monster. It is like he, he, he condemned this woman. And you'll find out why. But for 10,000 years, she's in hell because of some transgression that she made to him. I, I guess in my mind, it is not. It's hard if you imagine this series going over multiple seasons that you have the character develop and fully grow. It's just a weird way of setting him up initially that sometimes he is filled with extreme empathy and other times uh, extraordinarily malice. Mm -hmm. I know we're all complicated creatures, but I don't have a grounding for this character to understand where the fuck he's coming from. Part well, of that's it, because we don't know him as well as Kalen does. Yeah, and but part of it is also, to Clark's point, the actor is a little flat, and like he, you don't you don't get you don't get some of that. There is not the you know the the other well the not, other, the, not the other, flat the other, enough says Clark. The, well, he I could feel be, like the antagonist could be flatter. He could be skinnier and flatter. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true that's too. True. Well, I feel like the antagonists are better for performers than the for heroines sure. slash heroes that, that and that's that's that that was sort of a trope of comic book adaptations for oh, a long yeah, time yeah, yeah. yeah you're chewing up the scenery and you're much more interesting it was a lot more effect. interesting exactly but like you know when i brought up like don draper and tony soprano and walter white i mean they are flawed characters but they're immediately compelling and he is not immediately compelling some of it's by design some of it's the acting choices uh, so we also had some uh other kind of protagonists who made frequent enough appearances to be i guess main characters but didn't get a lot of time uh matthew the raven played by pat oswalt and joanna constantine um, played by uh, Jenna Coleman. Jenna Coleman is fantastic in everything she does. She was great. And I like the fact that gender swapped out um, John, John Constantine. Yeah. Because he is so busy. He has been busy with so many other movies and TV shows over the years that honestly, you kind of forget the fact that that exists because she's such, does such a good job here. Uh, I, I, there's been, they had to make a few changes in uh, the adaptation because of a variety of reasons, and that's one of them that Clark mentioned. But I, that was welcome. I really liked her a lot. And she was a very much, it felt m- very much like John Constantine meets Jessica Jones. Yeah. And you got that character. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. And also because she's playing her ancestor too during the Men of Good Fortune portion yeah, yeah. of The Sound of Her Wings. Uh, and that, in the comics, it is Joanna Constantine back in the like 18th century. Uh, and so like that, like that worked for me where like, it was the same actor playing like the character's ancestor. Money, yeah. Yeah. It was great. Uh, it it I, worked for me. I think I, my favorite, I, oh, sorry. Go, 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 go. No, I just thought her, the first time we meet her was very funny because there's this old tuppence a bag woman going, mm-hmm. ah, the, the, the sleepwalker is here. You're Mad Hetty. Yes. I, and, and, and she's like, yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, that's, that's fucking ridiculous. Like this bitch hasn't fought demons. Yeah. What do you What do you mean? It's ridiculous that. Is that oh shit? What's her name? Mira. Mira. Something fantastic. The actor. Yeah. And then uh, five seconds later, no, no, he she shows plays up. the nun. I don't remember. I don't remember anymore. Oh, like what you mean in the church? She plays yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, the, the like kind of the vicar role. Yes. Yeah. 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 She is a fantastic performer. Yeah. 
that was, was a great, very happy she was there. And that was a great scene of like like trying to stop this royal wedding, and like it's like this like demon like kind of erupts out oh, of the guy's mouth. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it was it. I hated the CGI behind because it was the most clearly. Oh, we'll talk about some green, CGI in a little green bit, screen yeah. scene. So uh, it's yeah. Mira Seal who um do you ever see Kumar the Kumars? I've seen it before, oh, yeah. Oh, she's the she was the grandmother who and she was only like forty at the time. Oh my god. One of the best shows of I fucking love that show. But anyways, yeah. I was so happy she was there for all of one what episode. Yeah. So But the thing about um yeah, please. Jenna Coleman's uh Joanna Constantine was the fact that she could be I mean, she you know, she's being a badass, blah blah blah, but then she goes into this emotional connection with her ex lover and she's a real fucking person in a way. Well, that's not just badass, badass, badass until the fucking end of time. Right. No, there's this fragility. And also um, they gave her like John Constantine's like sort of origin of like Astra, the young girl who gets like basically mm. uh, killed Sanded? by the demon. OK. Uh, and like the the young girl in the flashback. She keeps having uh, yeah, nightmares yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. So there's oh, that. fuck. Yeah. And then also the the her like ex-girlfriend. So in the comic, it's, you know, it's John Constantine with his ex-girlfriend and the ex-girlfriend like stole the sand and she was like responsible for what happened to her. Mm -hmm. But in the show, uh, Joanna leaves the sand when she just like disappears from this woman's life. She ghosts her and she's responsible for what happens to her. And I think that makes a much more interesting storyline to show Mm -hmm. how much of a bastard she is. Well, there is definitely more emotional richness than the same kind of. Oh, I'm the male protagonist, and I'm sad my ex-girlfriend's gone. That doesn't have as much, you know, kind of weight mm-hmm. to it. Um, let's talk about some of the antagonists. Yeah. Um, David Thewalis, uh, who is always great in everything. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, wh- was John D. I bring D. him to the clear, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, he's excellent. I mean, the, the episode where they're... Not that I loved it. I feel like it was a bottle episode, but also not a bottle episode enough to be enjoyable because then they skip at the very end. Um, the episode in the... the 24-7. Yes, the diner. In the diner, which went from dark, but then kind of humorous for a while, and then just went straight up murderous fucking hellscape. Yes. Yeah. He was so good in it. Yes. Just like not even trying, just like sitting there, looking around, moderate, even eating the ice cream yeah, like yeah, yeah, out yeah. of the tub. Yeah, so talks it, to the waitress for a little while, but actually puts no effort into dealing yeah. with it, just to see the hellscape of what he is controlling in a way. To yeah. me, it was very evocative of a TV show that only had, I think, one season, called The Booth at the End, and it was about a guy who sat at the end of a booth in a diner. Yeah, and people would come up to him, and he basically would grant their wish monkey paw style right and then over the course of this season you find out that all of these people are interconnected with each other and he's woven their lives together where the fuck was this it's on you can watch it on hulu uh actually i think it was produced by some other like more minor network Mm. so the story um 24 7 um i think it was called 24 hours in the comic it was issue five so like episode five of the series it was definitely Neil Gaiman sort of experimenting with his style. Like, he didn't really know what he was creating, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was a, uh, like, a protege and, like, kind of like an, a successor to Alan Moore. Alan Moore is very horror-oriented. Neil Gaiman ends up being much more dark fantasy-oriented, especially how, the way Sandman sort of turns yeah. out a little bit later on. 
but this is straight up horror. It's straight up horror in the comic. It's straight up horror in in the show. And the show, which I think Clark, you're going to talk about a little bit, is yes. like it gets much. It's queer in the comic. It gets much more queer right, right. in the show, and it's good and problematic in some ways. Yeah, let's, All right, let's talk about. Yeah, that let's queerness. get into that. So obviously, when he's writing this in the late '80s, early '90s, yeah. This is like the height of the AIDS epidem- epidemic, so it makes total sense to have straight characters destroy homosexuals because it make it's artistically and thematically important at the time. But this is the fucking twenty twenties. When are these twenty twenties? Oh, I thought we were gonna say yeah. late two thousands. Uh, what I was gonna Clark, do? Clark asked, when am I? I don't know what what this even is. Anyways, we've gone to a point, and obviously there's some weird shit going on, but um politically right now yeah that the fact that we have basically every single gay character murdered 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 in that episode we have three suicides for gay characters which honestly based on everything looked at is the worst selling point for me because you know homosexuals are the highest percentage of suicides of any fucking populace which is dark we got the gay the gay who oh also okay we'll do that the gay who um, is talking to the waitress, and I don't remember anybody's character's name, and he's like, yeah, I'm in fucking your 21-year-old oh, the, son. The, uh, yeah. But Marvel. when they're explaining it, they're not saying that for a while. They're saying he's fucking her kid, her fucking her kid, which makes it seem like he's fucking a pedophilic nightmare. It's yes. like fucking a 20-year-old, 21-year-old acceptable situation, even though he's 20 years old with that person. Yes. But it's it just seems unnecessary. Anyways, let me go through these other things. Obviously, the Corinthian in the second half is just fucking homose- homosexuals and then killing them all. It's Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, exactly. Which, obviously, late he 80s, spa- early 90s. He spares that one guy. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad he spares one <laughs> of the many people he mal- <laughs> <laughs> fucking murders uh, homosexuals. And we also have, by the gender switches for a while, like with... um. Oh, God, what am I thinking? Lucifer. We're yeah. switching that in order to... Make it more queer. Mm. She's a villainess. Yeah. We got a fucking uh, uh, Desire, who is uh, a trans character, which obviously she's a villain as well. So we got every single fucking villain. Is, I mean, the main villains, except for um, David Willis, are queer content. Um, we got Contency's lesbian lover, as we said, we said, like sanded to death, which is depressing. And then we got that. White man trying to abduct a little black boy during yes. the second, third, third to last episode in the hotel where it's like oh yeah connection so, of all serial killers yeah and and saying he's mine to yeah, the Funland, uh, to yeah. his older sister and I'm like this I I'm glad that um not glad at all the fact that Neil Gaiman is making it his own perfectness based on his comics before but that's not his it doesn't it's not works nowadays it's frighteningly dark and just depressing and this is not what gay content should be i'm glad that there is gay content in a comic but also the fact that they're all dying over and over and over again and i was talking i didn't wasn't on the boys podcast because i purposely was i thought it was dark and depressing that was fucking child's play compared to this they killed three characters there that were gay, even though it was an octopus that, that they made a joke. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a male. It's Timmy. Name is Timmy. Just for funny sake. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh, good. You made an extra queer character get murdered. But uh, even though it's an octopus, this one is every fucking queer, basically. 
killed, 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 killed. Dark, you're a villain, you're a villain, you're a villain. Over and over and over again. And I'm like, this this shouldn't happen. Well, for the villain stuff, I don't want to get into spoilers of stuff that hasn't happened. But there's more, there's more complexity that happens with those characters. Uh, that we'll we'll talk about. So two of my eight points are, are, are no. I'm I, I'm saying I'm saying I'm not I'm not saying that you're making wrong or erroneous points. I think you are. It's a lot of good food for thought to think about this, especially because Neil Gaiman is again. This is kind of goes back to what we talked about. Chris, Chris Claremont, like on our regular podcast, was like at the time was an ally. Like you know he was bringing up queer mm-hmm. themes through subtext. Oh, yeah. uh, Neil Gaiman was bringing up queer themes through text which didn't happen in like mainstream comics in the late 80s and early in early 90s. The fact that someone's talking in, in metaphorically talking about the AIDS crisis is fucking amazing. It's fu- it's fucking amazing and he has like a lot of It's quite changed in the last 25 years. It has and you know, even with like writers like Alan Heinberg being on it who is he's gay but he's gay in that kind of Ryan Murphy sort of way. He's more talented than Ryan Murphy as far as I'm concerned, but he sort of came of age in the 90s yeah. and started like like you started seeing a lot more of his work in the early 2000s. Um, I mean, the fact that he was at that age, he probably lost a lot of friends to the epidemic. There's definitely that part of it as well. It, it just, it's just, it, it's an archaic way of like writing some of these characters. And I wish they had made, they had made some edits. And like, like the, you mentioned the Jed, uh, Rose's brother being the victim of Funland, uh, the serial killer who had the little like, uh, wolf ears. Yeah. Um, in the comic, Rose Walker is the victim, not Jed. So, <laughs> so they were so like, they let's change- make it even more gaily nightmarish. Oh, cool. It, they did. Did and not so, know that. Yeah. So, like, it's it's like they made some changes that, like, I thought was a, l- a little more problematic. So, I think you've raised some interesting points, even if I don't agree with well, 100% the, of them. Uh, no, well, I mean, I didn't know that was the case. Yeah. But they did a great job. I don't know anybody's names, as I said. Who's the um, character who is the person in the car who helped him out in order to drive her to the drive? She was the act character who drove him to places in order to go to the fucking. Uh, you're talking about roses. Oh, uh, you're talking about the field gas green? station and everything else. Oh, in the oh, comics that yes. they read, he kills her. He kills her, but he yeah. keeps he 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 spares her in the show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that this show did a very good job with making, um, I'll say black characters not get ruined, not not, not, not be victims. Possible, but yeah. they do not do that to homosexuals at all. Yeah. They're like, no, we're going to kill them the same way they did it in the fucking comics, but to, as you said, the unnecessarily degree more than they actually did it in the comics. I guess the way I read the show is it imperfectly tries to immerse itself in queerness. That the 24-7, the, there are two queer interactions that occur yeah. because of this kind of removal of the lies or the... the 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 increasedness of honesty in society. Yeah, that they're not treated as like novelties. It's not as if the way it's cinematically is portrayed as it as if it's different from a straight relationship. Like, oh, I think the worst that it gets is probably how they're talking about. Well, your kid, and then they reveal he's twenty one. Yeah, that's like all right. It was wait, very is he, strange. Is he a pedophile? It's not a great. Oh, he's not. Way of okay, setting hooray. It up. Yeah, hur- hooray, thank God. He's 21, he's of age. Hooray, this 20-year-old is fucking him instead of the other way around sometimes. But I don't think, I think that there is a little bit of the Game of Thrones female thing. Yes, we should have queer villains who are queer. They they are villains. It's not a problem. But also, I do think there are a lot of themes that are underlying the story 
that are very pro-queer, like the Galt storyline, where you have this nightmare who wants to become a dream, and uh, uh, and Morpheus is not accepting of that. That part of her journey is is it's trying, transition is a transition, yeah. and it's the same for. Uh, the Field Greens or whatever his name is, Gary. Uh, uh, Soil. Uh, I don't call Soiling Green. <laughs> Soiling no. Green. Yeah. Well, it's totally fine if the metaphorically is okay, but the Fiddler's straight Green. Straight up, it's not even metaphorically. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. the connotation for denotation is literally just straight on, like kill, 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 kill. But at the same time, if they are connecting metaphorical context, great. But so many people are not going to pick up on that. Well, okay. So like with a character like Lucifer being female mm-hmm. and then having with terrible hair that i don't support it I, I, okay let's talk about the hair for a second i hate it i hate it i was so when gwendolyn christie was announced as being lucifer Ooh, i was I like love i was like great casting choice yes. and then i saw it and i was horribly disappointed what tell me like, we have to talk about it through the context of hair what is wrong with it the hair it's like it's like Cupid doll nightmare. Cupid doll 1970s, like Mark Hamill in the first <laughs> Star Wars. Like, just, it's just weird. I love it. it. Oh, I yeah. love it. It is giving me uh, old Baroque painting. It is, <laughs> it is fallen from the sky, original OC Lucifer. I get some Paradise Lost vibes. I get some we didn't know how to cut hair outside of bowls. And all of our bowls are warped. So, so, so you're talking about the OC, meaning the uh, Alan, as you said, yeah, the, Alan the, 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 TV show? Yeah, from the early 2000s. Which only had two seasons what? that were okay. Oh. The OC. Wait, Orange no, County. Okay. All right. That's what we're, we're talking, talking about. about. Very important. Very we're important talking about show. Lucifer, not actual hell. Uh, <laughs> Season four was great after they killed Misha Barton off. Sure. Hey, spoilers. Um, so... Again, was very excited when they announced Gwendolyn Christie as being Lucifer, but um, the performance didn't work for me. So Lucifer in the comics, you get the revelation, like they're building up Lucifer, they're building up mm. Lucifer, and you're thinking some demonic character, and it's the most beautiful, angelic, like androgynous person you can imagine. It's like young David Bowie, you know, like just you didn't li- like that thing. Uh, I wanted, I, I don't know, like, I, I think Gwendolyn Christie is an attractive woman. Uh, I just didn't get that, like, beauty, like, like the, the way that they, Fucking like, even Morpheus really? even talks about you it. You mean, it was it masculine beauty in the comics? No, it was androgynous beauty in the comics. It was, like, just this, like, like, waifish twink. Uh, with like this, like yeah, David yeah, well, Bowie as character. Mean, like, I think if they had, so um, if you remember the the Constantine movie in mm, the two thousands with uh, Keanu don't. Reeves, but like the Angel Gabriel is played by Tilda Swinton. Yeah, if they had someone like Tilda Swinton playing gorgeous Lucifer, alien, that would have been perfect. Just absolute perfect perfection. I thought, I thought she was great. I I got so many excellent vibes. If anything, I was more annoyed that she had such a limited role. And that it was in this weird mind fight with Morpheus, oh, which ma- which was the like, mind fight was so annoying. Like when you're playing with your like siblings as a kid, and you're like you're like I'm shooting a gun at you, and then they go, yeah, but I've got a shield, but that I haven't been killed, bullets. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one's like, I've got a rocket launcher, and you're like, yeah, but I've got a shield that protects me against rocket launchers. That's why. I, like, that's why I like the mind fight. The mind fight, but I have hope. The so mind went- fight didn't work for. <laughs> It didn't work in the show as well as it did in the comics because I think some of the effects were 
a little chintzy. Yeah. Also, it wasn't Lucifer who did the mind fight. It was the demon, Chronozone, yeah. who did the mind fight. Lucifer was just there as a bystander. Uh, and the hope thing was really terrible in the show because you had Matthew Matthew the Raven coming in and saying, dreams don't die. I was like, who wrote that dialogue? In the comics, was he the one who switched the thing? Matthew wasn't even there. Well, then why did... uh, He's... No, no, no. Well, I don't. I don't like some fucking crow changing the fucking battle. Raven. Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But it's it's still it's it was. I agree with you. Like it was it terrible. Wasn't, it wasn't a raven. It was Patton Oswalt s- screaming right. at his normal voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever saw Happy? What? Did you see yeah. Happy on FX? Yeah, we uh, we talked about it on. Yeah, podcast. well, yeah. That I can't listen to Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt. Oswalt. Without thinking of. The that bunny character, the, the horse, no, yeah. the, the horse, oh, yeah. horse, whatever. Oh, horse, a horse, because that was so fucking awesome that anything else he's ever done in my life, vocal wise. I mean, he was Modoc in that terrible Hulu but, show. Yeah, doesn't matter. He is happy to me. Yeah, I mean, I think he just does. That there are some actors, some comedians who do really great voice acting, and yeah. Patton Oswalt is just not one of them. Uh, to me, it seems like anytime you're challenged in one of these fight of wits, someone goes, "I'm a beetle." The second I'm going to go, well, I'm hope. Hope wins. Yeah. Hope always wins. Fuck you. Endless. Also, the I'm love. And then like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shut up. <laughs> they did a nice job of showing hell at first, with, like how creepy it was with like the oh, human bodies. Through, yeah. And, yeah, 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 that yeah. was good. But then they got to the throne room. Oh. I'm like, what? This like you, you back set <laughs> like nonsense from like the Dungeons and Dragons movies from the early 2000s bullshit. It's is like this. you go into a club and you're like, oh, this is a fine club. And then you enter in and look at one of the dark rooms. And it's like eight groupies blowing someone. You're like, oh, my God, this is creepy. I don't Get like me this. I don't out like this. of here. Eight groupies. I, I mean, don't know, man. How many glory holes are involved let's, in that? Let's talk about the endless. We uh, we got death. Uh, who is played by Kirby Howell Baptiste? Fantastic. Desire, Best. Desire, played by Mason Alexander Park. Phenomenal. I really love their performance. Yeah. Uh, also, I was very shocked by the Golden Eyes connection, which was there all along. Yeah. Uh, and then Despair, very short. Uh, Donna Prescott. Uh, Despair show. was disappointing. Um, but the the, o- the only ones that were mentioned but unseen were Prodigy. Nope. No, there's no. Like, they're all by D. It's del- it's, it's uh, delirium. Yeah. It's um, destiny, destiny, and then there is the prodigal. The not, prodigal. Yeah, the prodigal. Sorry, say the, the say prodigal the, is. Sorry, sorry. The I, said, is, I said the prodigy. Say the prodigy with a D. Prodigal. Smack, smack, smack my bitch up, sorry. right? Firestarter. What, what, where's the D in that? It's the prodigal. No, the 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 whole point is you're not supposed to know who that is yet. Yeah. That they called the prodigal because they left. Well, why are you criticizing me? Because you called it a prodigy. Yeah, I was four letters off. Oh, four important letters. Yeah. So, yeah, we haven't seen uh, Destiny yet, and we haven't seen Delirium, and yeah. we haven't seen who the, uh, the prodigal is because there's right. seven in total. I was not super impressed by Death, but I know that no. you loved her. Why were you not impressed by Death? I really hate how boring of a character that is i just hate that the the first t- the the first time death is seeing dream and he's like his in his melancholy they're talking about the nature of their jobs are you kidding me you've been around for for how many years and you've never spoken about this before the importance of what you do the good and the bad i'm supposed to go on your 
your little not- egg run to get your grocery run to get like a guy from a river and a baby. I- I'm not shocked. I'm just bored. I think the family has such disconnect though, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a destroyed family that that they have not emotionally connected in fucking millennia. And it's also and- it's also like they needed that exposition for the viewer the audience they just did also um kirby hal baptiste is probably one of my favorite television performers she's great actresses yes. slash actors in the last 10 years and incredible incredible work for something i, I mean in enjoy. good place she was only last two seasons but she was a fucking star immediately yes she's very good and she did such a good job so death is my favorite character in all of sandman like when you first meet her you're like what are what a breath of fresh air she is compared to her her younger brother and it is it's she's great and like the way that kirby um baptiste howell just captured her whimsy yet like her like her commitment to her role and her compassion when somebody died i i I believed all of it it was so good i just feel annoyed to see like death at a person's actual expiration date ferrying them gently like, like reality isn't so much more grim. We got the, we've got, yeah, you take babies too. But how cruel is it that it's a constantly occurring no matter what? I, I don't know. It felt like the soft version of really thinking about and dealing with the nature of death. It was, it was such kid gloves. I don't know. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can have such a grim view about death being justified. I um, we're just talking to both of them. Clark, 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 uh, Clark, Clark got confused. Yeah, just well, talk. I don't know which things I'm. This is the one yeah. I'm dealing with. Yeah, there we go. Um, I just think it's fantastic that she. All right, <laughs> the fact that she will not allow this man to um text message his wife in order to make sure that she knows the um airplane that she has to get into later yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> right i right. feel sad for her she's also the she death of she, convenience she doesn't know where she's going yeah. uh, this poor she wife. let the old man who was playing the violin say his prayer before he passed but this this young like husband this, this young husband can't look give her, give his wife get a the fucking code. text message yeah it's sad. I well, mean, I know he died in the water, but just the same, just this text message. To be fair, that the old guy died, and then she's like, "Yeah, you can fucking say whatever you want, bitch. You're dead." But if you <laughs> want to interact with people, that's true. Get, that's, get that's, DTFO. That's fair. Um, I will say, I was surprised that they combined that that issue with the men of good fortune issue, but it worked really well for me because the connective tissue of having death. Um, uh, going uh, to you know back in the 12th century or 13th century, where uh they are in the that that inn in London, uh, and she she and Dream make that kind of wager yes with Hob Gadling yes who by the way is fucking fantastic that actor I don't know what his name is off the top of my head but he is so good I liked him a lot he his comedic timing was phenomenal like when they go into a few hundred years later like. Like in the uh, 16th century, he is uh, he is like a rich man, and when they get to the 17th century, he's lost his fortune. And Dream goes, "Well, your last 80 years have been terrible. Do you finally want to die?" And he goes, "No, that's a mugs game. I'm having the time of my life." And like he sells it for me. It's so good. 
that's that's probably one of my favorite stories of like kind of mini stories of the Sandman universe. Um, I'm glad they actually portrayed it in a way that was enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, I did think it was kind of it, it. There was some weird feeling that I didn't get from the comics, which was like, ah, oh, they're like the uh, the buddy comedy. They're like two cops who finally learn to appreciate each other. One of them can't fall asleep and the other can't die. It's Dream and the Immortal. I got a lot of like queer subtext between that. Like there was like the like like him running after Dream. It's like you come here because you want companionship. And Dream goes, How dare you? Like you think I would stoop so low to like want oh. your your friendship. It just felt like like a scorned lover like going after Going after, you know, like a scorned boyfriend, whatever. I don't know. What did you think of that, Clark? I don't know. I lost track of what you're saying. Yeah. I I was just (laughs) sad about Cain and Abel's poor um, dragon dog. Oh, Gregory? Gregory. Yeah. And apparently all all gargoyles have to start with a G name. Yeah. So Brent would name it Prodigy. (laughs) Prodigy. <laughs> Product good G. Do you Nailed see? It. Nailed a, it. There's a G Nailed in it, it. So apparently, yeah. that's how the names work. All right, we need. We haven't talked about uh, Lucienne, played by uh, Vivienne Achimpong. We haven't talked about anything that happened in the dreaming. Um, oh, here's the thing I didn't like about the dreaming. All right, so do you remember in late '90s, early 2000s, where NBC, CBS, ABC, whatever, probably not CBS because they shut suck. Would do um, fantasy miniseries over like a week. Like Merlin. Yes. With Sam Neill. When we first see the dreaming, and it's like the broke down version of the dreaming. Also, before we see the nice version, it, the, oh God, the, uh, not artistic design, the, what's the word I'm going for? The graphic design. Anyway, graphic design. Yeah. Graphic, yeah, CJ was awful. It, it felt like good. the yeah. exact that period of time. It was embarrassing. It was. Yeah. And, and we barely w- used it. They were like, let's show it each version for all of 40 seconds. The trailers, like when we saw the trailers for this and I looked so chintzy, I was really worried about it. And it didn't look better And when the show came no, out. No, terrible. The, the only time I thought it looked good is when you saw the stained glass windows change when he was talking about the three dreams or nightmares yeah. that had hadn't come back you mean the, the three future plot points correct yeah. yes i don't know it's I, depressing that was depressing i mean i don't know how much netflix has money but they're going to put more money towards it because this it's going to be successful uh, i think it's already successful it was the number one show yeah um, like in this week countries. i'm still shocked that this wasn't on hbo max i'm shocked because it's it is a dc well, property as we know hbo max is falling into a fucking well that's well, that before knowing that yes. Well, true. I mean, if you guys want to talk, we can continue talking about like the characters specifically, or do you want to talk about like some of the themes and how this show has actually been put together? Because oh, we got characters done. Let's get that right. over. Yeah, I think that there's something in my mind. There is this new background noise of production for uh, teen type dramas. Uh, mm-hmm. Riverdale, anything by the CW. Right. Netflix of, has gotten way into it too. A lot of Netflix properties. That the only like, one that was good was the Roy, uh, Roy, the Young Royals. The oh, young yeah. Watch Royals, it. Yeah. That, Amazing. That this is, uh, it does not feel like the way the comics read. That the dream specifically, you, you come into the story, having to buy in already to the Sandman. 
and that there is some god of dreams. All right, American gods, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm watching this shit, I'm like, yeah, all right, I have to see a Favuzela or a weird... A Vuvuzela? Uh, uh, no, a, a Batar or uh. whatever. Some bizarre combination of things. And I also yeah. have to think it's important. And there's something that's lost in the translation from the page to the show. I agree with that completely. That I do not feel like the dream is important. Well, the character, I feel like he wasn't in the actual show enough to matter. Well, I guess, sorry, I meant, I meant the dreaming. That's what, well, yeah. I mean, the fact that dream the to wor- me wasn't, wasn't in the show enough. Well, the first, first half, he was in more than the second half. Yeah. Cause he's the main character. It in did, the first and the book fact and that when I was saying economically, I can't, I don't think they can show the dreaming enough for it to matter. There was multiple times where it was like in the darkness and he was like on some sort of stone pier and jumped into the water for a hot second, got attacked and then had to jump. It seemed like they couldn't economically do what they needed to do in order to show it correctly. So this is maybe an unfair comparison because I do think it was better than that. But Zack Snyder's Watchmen, um, where you had a very accurate adaptation to a fault. Yeah. Where it captured the letter of the book, but not the spirit of the book. And I feel this adaptation, even though Gaiman was involved, kind of the same thing. Uh, and so, like, like you have this ethereal concept of the dreaming that every time you see it, it looks different because dreams are... Dream logic doesn't make sense, right? It Like, it, things change around. You go from one space to another without realizing how you got there. Yeah. And, like... Being able to capture that on screen, you can do it. They just didn't do it. They made it seem very, very generic fantasy. To Clark's point, generic fantasy from like mm-hmm. turn of the century. Oh, uh, yeah. So it looked like bad, a bad sci-fi. Like when I was talking channel, earlier, like, do you remember movie? like two thousand? Let's say seven, eight. I don't even remember. Um, the first Alice in Wonderland movie. Uh, yeah. Steve Burton. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Tim, you know yeah. what? Steve, Steve, Steve Burton and I used yeah. to date. I don't yeah. even know. Uh, uh, 2010, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, where it's... Ballas and Blender It's not terrible, but it's not great. It's not good, um, yeah. It felt like that to me. The, the, the thing that typifies that to me is the scene with... What is that gay actor's name with the gray hair who is running this house of wayward... Oh, Hal is the character. Hal, Hal, Hal Carter... John yeah. John Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, oh, Hedwig. Yes. You remember Hedwig? Yes. Yeah. So the only the only gay that was like the um, when I was talking about the fact that gays were just being destroyed. Yes. Yeah. He was totally fine because he was asexual. Not asexual, but his his lover had left and he was not sexual at all. Yeah. Which is totally the acceptable thing in eighties and nineties where. You you could you don't, you don't act if you on don't your fucked you survived. Yeah. But his dream. When we first saw it, hmm. it was him dancing in drag, then removing the mask of drag and it's him, then removing the mask and it's flesh, whatever. Yeah. There's a part of it that's like, all right, I can see how that can happen in a dream. And yet there's some other visual element that's lost by having it so transparently displayed that it does not feel ethereal in any way. It R- feels literal and that you're trying to take me through some fucking arduous metaphor. Yeah, for sure. So here's a question to Kaylin. Um, you were talking about the fact that um, when a creator is heavily involved with their 
show later. You were talking yeah. to Neil Gaiman, yeah. Yeah. who obviously did it 30 years ago. It over affects what the show becomes. We're talking about, you know, G.R. Uh, Martin. Yeah. Um, for the first five season, he was it was on point because he was connected to it. In the last two seasons, he was not. Yeah. Um, how does the fact that he was so in control of this entire narrative so do Weller incorrectly? George R. R. Martin got like before he was a novelist had a career in TV, and the reason he did A Song of Ice and Fire was because um, he wanted to create a world that was uh, not confined by TV budgets. Yeah. Um, Neil Gaiman started in comics and then prose and then has gotten involved in television by adapting his work, Sandman and Good Omens, which we've talked about on podcasts He's before. He's be Nazi Boys very soon. Nazi Boys, yeah. yeah. I think you said Nazi Boys for yeah. a second. I was like, wait, what? You know what? what? Nazi Boys is... Yeah. Made no, by uh, I never TV. want to see that one. So I think George R. R. Martin completely understood that like, he had to let uh, W.B. Weiss and David Benioff be the showrunners and like really like adapt take his work and like make it work for television and you know make changes where they needed to uh whereas i think gaiman is just so in love with what he created which and makes sense badly so it's Va- a great series slash comics like whatever. it's it's a classic it is but like sometimes you know i'm like again this isn't bad it's just imperfect and it's it's a mixed bag and it um like it's hard to do an adaptation when the original creator's so heavily involved that you can't make proper edits to it to make it work for. So I was talking about the gays earlier, where where the fact that it was important to him twenty five, thirty years ago, right? That emotionally, that is where he was twenty five, thirty years ago. Yeah. Connectively, the tissue shouldn't exist now, but you know, so it uh, does because that's what his life was. He right. honestly lost many gay men as friends. In the 80s and 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's impossible to divorce yourself from the original content, but when you're actually watching the show, did you guys feel like, oh, I actually am kind of interested to like roll over into the next episode? Or did you feel like it's a thing I'm just kind of going through? There were a couple of instances where I felt interested, like going in from episodes four to five from like, uh, the journey to hell. Yeah. And then you see like a lot of like John D's sort of um, his journey with the woman yeah. who picks him up and then going into 24 seven. I was very interested. And then once that well, ended, you knew enough about it to be interested. I did. But like, I was like, but also um, David, uh, what's his name? David. Uh, Damn it. No, the actor, David Thule- Thulis. Right. David Thulis is so magnetic and so yes. interesting to watch. You constantly want to keep like just, wondering what he's going to do next and what his interpretation is going to be that I thought that was really good but to your point Clark I was very interested in going from episode five to episode six um uh, the sound of her wings because I wanted to see how well they were going to adapt probably one of my favorite early issues of Sandman I mean Clark what did you think when you were watching it did you feel like well I mean I I felt like it was smart enough the first five issues that Issues. I'm I'm so good at not doing everything right. Uh, television shows. Yeah. Episodes that between five and six, I was totally into it, and then the six was so connected to death, and then it was like, no, nah, death doesn't matter. We're gonna do anything else. And then it was to me 
not exciting and silly. So I thought that the first few episodes are kind of slow. Mm -hmm. They are working to plod you through and convince you that this universe matters. That probably when it got to episode five, I think that's when I'm like, all right, I'm locking in to what they're trying to sell. Six was a bit of a slowdown. But then the rest of it, I did actually find myself engaged. I just want to continue. Even if you've got a stupid plot about a serial killer convention called Serial Con, go fuck yourselves. How do you find each other? How do you deal with any of the pragmatic issues of being a serial killer and not reveal? Whatever. I don't want to get into that. But it's very zeitgeisty of like early 90s stuff like. It just is. I, I thought that, that that actually, I started to get more interested in the actual story because it felt like a form that was different from a lot of what we've seen otherwise from Netflix. Um, my hope is for subsequent seasons, they, and Neil Gaiman's actually hinted at in interviews, like there will be surprises for like. F- fans, fans of yeah. fans of the book. They're going to change stuff. They're going to change stuff and like changing. It's the, a blue wedding. Changing, stop it! Changing the <laughs> uh, changing the format uh, of the way they do it because it's like episode by episode. It's like the you know first ten or so issues of the uh, first ten to twelve issues of the comic, and then when you get into the second season, like the next two volumes, right. one is uh, Dream Country, which is basically four vignettes, like telling different stories yeah. where like Morpheus well, well, is not here's a. Here's the question: How how long did how long does this take place? How many issues? Yeah, no issues, but also seasons. Um, so I don't know how many seasons there will be. There are seventy-five issues in total. There's ten volumes okay, in total. Okay, how, how far have we gone so far? Like We've two, gotten two volumes. Two volumes. Ten. Two, yeah. vo- two, two out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think five more seasons. If they if they keep that same base. I I think here's my prediction. I think it'll be four seasons total. Yeah. Because um, it's they, Netflix. They alternate. They alternate. The volumes alternate between. Like uh, long form, like narratives where Morpheus is the main character. Yeah, and then all of the siblings. And then, and then, let me finish my let me finish my thought, Clark. Uh, uh, and 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 like more anthology vignettes. Yeah, where Morpheus is not the main character, and other people sort of like wander in. Um, kind of in a wrapping up. Were there any thoughts you have about how it goes forward? What you'd like more of or like less of? I think that it's got a good story engine that even though I don't like how strict it is about adapting episode to episode, season to season, they've put a lot of stuff in it that I'm happy to see pay off later. There's a lot of open-ended questions that I think will be very fun. Yeah. Uh, mysteries still yet to be solved. Right. So A lot of Lucifer later. In the next yes. I want so much Lucifer. I mean, it, the whole the whole season gave me a very much uh, the vibe of I'd rather uh, rule in hell than serve in heaven. Yeah. And I think yeah. that they make a convincing argument that but fucking the, the, the ordinances of the Lord go. are dog shit. Well, you're going to be really happy if they if I think what they're going to adapt in the second season, Season of Mist, which is one of my favorite storylines, it deals more with Lucifer and it deals with the themes of like obligation versus free will. Yeah. And there's some like really cool shit star, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, I again, I was not as impressed with Gwendolyn Christie as I wanted to be, but I do like her a lot and hopefully she gets more of a chance to shine in season 2. I don't know. Those wings, man. Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's true. She had those wings, man. 
That's all I care about. Those wings were wings. a little chintzy looking. I loved them. I loved them. You did? I loved her stupid what, hair. What fucking spirit lo- Halloween store did she pick hair. those up? I loved her stupid wings. Fuck you. We said that everything is not worth the nonsense involved in it. I don't know. I liked it. All right. Well, that's been our podcast. Uh, we've been Homo Superior. You can catch us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and on Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. We don't often review the Sandman, but when it comes out, I guess we do. I guess once a year we'll take a little, uh, little, little, little right, snooze to get the Sandman. This has been a secret records. Bye. Bye.